You thought that you could have it all And life could be a ball But you fell and scabbed your knee Now you can be free Good morning! And welcome to the Recovering CEO, uh, 8 a.m. All Addictions Meeting. My name is Derek. I am the Recovering CEO. <laughs> kind of a funny name, but uh, apropos, I guess, right? That's my new podcast and sort of, uh, you know, thing that I started up. I'm on Twitter, as you know, maybe, and... Um, doing these Twitter spaces Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. So hopefully some people will join today. I did tweet it out a little bit. Um, so we shall see what happens. And let me just, I'm just pulling up some stuff here. Um, bah, bah, bah. So yeah, hopefully everyone is having a good day. It is Friday. It's cold in Michigan, but that's all right. You know, I just had breakfast with my wife, which was wonderful. Um, the gifts of recovery, right? You know, it was a good morning. Got, got up early, did some work. Um, took the dogs out, you know, grab breakfast and then doing this. So Friday's a good day. I like Friday, you know. And hey, there's somebody. Um, listener, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Kenny, welcome. Um, so we're going to start off with a reading I'm going to do as Bill sees it. Um, second reading and as Bill sees it, we will open it up for sharing in a few minutes if anybody wants to share. But uh, here we go with today's reading. In God's hands, when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. My depression deepened, unbearable, and finally it seemed to me as though I were at the very bottom of the pit. For the moment, the last vestige of my proud obstinacy was crushed. All at once, I find myself crying out, if there is a God, let him show himself. I am ready to do anything, anything. Suddenly, the room lit up with a great white light. It seemed to me in the mind's eye that I was on a mountain and that a wind, not of air, but of spirit, was blowing. And then it burst upon me that I was a free man. Slowly, the ecstasy subsided. I lay on the bed. But now for a time, I was in another world, a new world of consciousness. All about me and through me, there was a wonderful feeling of presence. And I thought to myself, so this is the God of the preachers. And that is from the AA Big Book, page 100, and also from AA Comes of Age, page 63. And um, wow, what a great reading. You know, this is describing Bill W.'s spiritual experience, um, which is interesting because yesterday I was listening to the Addicted Mind podcast, and they interviewed a guy who wrote a new book all about uh, William James' The Varieties of a Religious Experience book, which he pointed out was given to Bill W. Um, from Evie Thatcher and was instrumental in some of the insights and revelations that Bill had. Um, 
you know, talking about the spiritual experience. And in the podcast I was listening to yesterday, they were talking about how, you know, this is not a new thing. This has been going on for 3,000 years, you know, and Bill described it, right? He was at the bottom. He said he was at the bottom of the pit. He just felt complete, utter hopelessness, um, you know, but then he was, he was willing to change, right? And I think sometimes we hit bottom and then we're willing to change. We're willing to do what it takes, you know, kind of open up and ask God into our lives or ask a higher power to help us, you know, whatever that higher power is. Um, and that happened for Bill, you know, that happened. And his was like bright light, whoosh of spirit type thing. I mean, you know, some people, as William James said, some people have slow spiritual experiences. You know, mine was quite slow, right? I couldn't quite tell I had a spiritual experience. But after time of being sober, you know, others told me, you know, Derek, you're changed. You are a different person than you were a year ago. You know, so so I changed. I just couldn't see it because it was gradual. Bill W., it came all at once. And he's like, oh, my God, this is what they were talking about. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing. You know, uh, uh, my friend Kenny's on here listening. Kenny, I'm glad you're here. You know, it's uh, in, in the, the Addicted Mind podcast yesterday, they kept saying, you know, we're all agnostics. We're all agnostics. He's like, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious um, because he was basically saying, you know, who's got the proof? Um, who's got the proof? We're all agnostics. Uh, but it is, you know, whatever you believe, right? It's whatever you believe. And in recovery, we ask for help. You know, I hit my knees. I say, help me. I say, higher power, God, as I understand him, dear God, whatever, whatever you are, spirit of the universe, help me. And uh, today's reading, clear as day. You know, God came into Bill's life and he stayed there and he, he laid there in a different form of consciousness. Um, you know, I used to really think that drugs and alcohol, drugs in particular, got me high, you know, or got me a connection with God. But that's another thing from the podcast yesterday. This is hilarious. William James, who wrote that book, Varieties of Religious Experience, which is a famous philosophical book and psychological book. Um, he was he was often high on nitrous oxide, uh, which is wonderful. Right. I mean, I used to do a lot of nitrous. I'm a Grateful Dead hippie. Um, you know, so we had nitrous tank and, you know, I remember sitting around listening to Cornell 77, you know, 5877 Grateful Dead show and just doing nitrous for the whole 20 minutes Scarlet Fire. Just, you know, but William James was used nitrous a lot. And I think that's great. You know, and nitrous for me always, and I said this before, nitrous for me always, uh, I would do it. And when I was really high on nitrous, the meaning of life would become apparent, right? It would all make sense to me. Everything would make sense to me. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, I just figured out the meaning of life. I just figured out the secret of the universe. And I'd be like about to write it down and then it would disappear. I'd be like, shit, where did it go, you know? And I'd have to um, do it again, you know? And, and it happened every time, you know, every time. And it's like, why can't I remember it? Why can't I remember the secrets of the universe? Um, and it would disappear. And, uh, you know, Kenny, I think, I think you can, if you're, um, if you're on Twitter, you can to share if you like. So something to think about um, if you want. 
you could be a speaker. I think you can do that uh, if you want to raise your hand um, or you can listen, you know, but uh, and hopefully more people will join. You know, I'm trying to start these. I'm trying to do these every day at 8 a.m. Because I feel like Twitter spaces are kind of cool. You know, I am recording this. I do post these on the Recovering CEO podcast. So, you know, I do encourage first names only. Uh, if anyone does share, you know, the first day we had a guy from Ireland sharing, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, just kind of cool. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, we'll see where it goes, you know. But um, so let me just. Um, also today, oh, here we go. Here we go. Kenny, would, would you like to share? I just, uh, would you like to share? You can unmute your microphone and speak if you'd like. Floor is yours. Oh, okay. I, I see now. Well, I said I don't actually do Twitter, so I didn't see uh, where the mic was. Then I found the mic. Then I, then it was finally muted. My question was, I was asking you, how do you mute yourself? But I was muted. So you hear me now, right? I do. Yes. You sound loud and clear, Kenny. And it's true. You can mute yourself when you're done or, you know, Okay. But please feel free to share your experience about uh, spiritual experience or your thoughts on that reading. I'd love to hear it. Are you, uh, um, so is it just you and I for right now? It is just us. Uh, I am recording this though. So I plan to post this on the recovering CEO podcast. I don't know if you're and, comfortable with that or if that's okay, but you know, that's what I'm trying to do with these Twitter spaces. Right. Um, do we, and do we consider this a meeting? It's not an official meeting. Um, as if, I mean, it's not affiliated with any program in right. particular. It's not AA, it's not SA, it's not NA. It's just an all addictions open meeting. So it's kind of, you could consider it like if we were recording an open speaker meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, this is new. As you know, we've been uh, <clears throat> fastidiously. If there's one part of the program I've been able to be fairly regular about, it has been uh, going to the eight o'clock meeting. And uh, my uh, program is really moving sideways and it's been moving that way for a long time. And there is pressure on it now. I'm traveling more that I think I wouldn't want to talk about in a podcast at this time. But uh, I uh, can comment on the spiritual experience. I think, uh, and I've heard people say this before, that many people have had spiritual experiences before they came to the program, before they got sober. In fact, the pursuit of drugs was the pursuit for me of a spiritual experience. But I also wanted it to feel damn great. And I always wanted that spiritual experience to uh, flow into an incredibly perverse lust experience. Um, so for me, they were very tied together. In fact, I used to think, uh, well, religion left out all the part where you could have fun and still feel the union of God. You know, for me, it was a, it was a, almost a little bit of a protest. But what I didn't realize when I was, I had planned, I turned 30 and I said, you know, I just had a wild time in my 20s and now it might be a good time to kind of get more serious and uh, not do all this stuff. And it was only then that I realized I must be addicted because I had made a decision not to do it and I was still doing it. I was responding like Pavlov's dogs, you know, whenever it was there or whenever there was an opportunity to get it. 
And I keep waiting for that. And then I even prayed for and received a woman in my life who was so healthy in her, she owned a health food store and her friends were all, you know, the kind of friends I always wished I had that were not so tainted, but all my friends through my twenties were some kind of, uh, fantasy partners. Uh, I'm not, I can't say all my friends, my friends in work were not, but my friend friends, uh, that's kind of what we did. Um, and then some friends, they were the most, and what I would call girlfriends, were the most bizarre relationships that you could possibly imagine. And that all felt like the norm. But then when I found that I wanted to uh, move on in my 30s, so to speak, uh, I, I couldn't. I was duly addicted. And my quest for a girlfriend was partially to be with someone who would be so naturally healthy it wouldn't occur to her to get crazy in any of these ways or or to necessarily do drugs and uh and prayer was answered i met a beautiful woman who owned a health food store in cleveland and and uh, all her friends were also it was that holistic group of people that don't even think of themselves as holistic but for me they were just it was the absence of all the you know sickness and um I thought, well, this is going to do it, but it worked the other way around. My addiction, she never got addicted, but she got dragged into more that she wasn't interested in than I ever got dragged into the stuff that I was hoping I'd get dragged into. And the net result for me, uh, she wouldn't say this. She would say it was a bunch of things that happened to us. But the net result for me is that I feel like I corrupted her from where she was going. She might have been going to a simple life, not a particularly spiritual person, except her commitment to, to help others and to be there for others, which I find more spiritual than, than uh, being part of a religion. Uh, her care for people was what it's supposed to be about. So, I mean, there was every lesson to learn from her, but I found the lessons boring. Um, and then my attic got up on its, you know, back got up and more and more kind of you know, sort of cor corralled her into things that I was doing, which after a certain point she realized, well, if you're going to do this, fine, but I, I, I have to now decide I'm not doing this. So then we had this schism between us for one that was taking care of our life, cooking for us, making us a normal life, and me who still had part of myself that was still going out there and, and just, you know, breaking all the rules including uh, monogamy. I, I, you know, the first few pages of uh, essay, and when they say, um, you know, your insides never match the outside of others, I don't know if that's the problem or, you know, um, that's when I was hooked. I said, wow, really? I felt so separate from everybody. Um, and, uh, and I thought that the, my separate urges and appetites would have to be just done in private, you know, totally addict stuff um at the same time i was going to a spiritual guru um and i felt what i was learning was exactly on point it wasn't uh you know some people like to uh make fun of the idea that the other day on on the other meeting uh you know somehow we were in the big book part about and somehow it was about religion and one of our uh favorite uh quote-unquote, participants said, 
he used to think he was spiritual, not religious. And then he kind of made it sound like, you know, that's worth making fun of, you know. And then my dander got up. And when I shared, I made sure I said, yeah, no, I'm spiritual, not religious, you know. And I, and I was uh, resentful. You know, I mean, I, I know that religion will bring out the resentment in me faster than anything, even though there's a lot of great components to a lot of individual religious groups. They may be grouped under one caption. You know, they may be all Christian or they may be all whatever. But um, with see, to me, it's people that make a religion valid. When I meet people that give love, receive love, and they're, they're humble about it, you know, they don't broadcast it so that everybody can see that they're, not only are they about love, but they're peddling love, uh, you know, and, and, and the whole concept of, of organized religion, I think, has taken it so far out that my personal program is to, uh, you know, religion is on my uh, list uh, for, uh, you know, six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, can, Kenny, let me comment on that because, you know, that is a common misconception of some people to think that 12 steps, you know, started with AA and, and sprung into all these different programs is religious. It's not religious. And it clearly says it's not religious. It says you can believe in any God you want. It says this is a spiritual program. You know, there's a whole chapter on we agnostics. So, you know, for some people to try and turn it towards religion is is a turnoff. And it's it's a it's like a mutation and a uh, it's it's wrong. Like it's it's not it at all. You know, so that, that type well, of uh, conversation at meetings is probably inappropriate, honestly. Right. I mean, I would think so. Well, no, I mean, people can, uh, you know, uh, it, it might get my dander up a little bit or I might want to make a smart comment. And then if that's the case, there's something wrong with me. I mean, I get that from the program. You know, if I could just let it come, let it go, and uh, that's what that person thinks. And, and that person does say, for me, you know. So I think there's always been uh, uh, the option of saying, yeah, I connect my higher power through my religion. Uh, because there are days where there's topics about uh, making the real connection. But I uh, am on the lookout constantly because... It's not religion's part in controlling a society. It's not history. It's going on right now. So I'm finding a conflict between the need to fight how far religion has taken this country into a place where democracy itself is uh, at uh, risk and whether or not to say, well, if I'm resentful about religion, there's something wrong with me. I feel like... <laughs> While non-religious people have been trying to, and I'm sure I'm not right about this, but it feels, well, I mean, there is this, listen, everything under this, every flavor under the sun is happening. There's, there's people who are religious that when you're with them, you suddenly see the logic of the religion because you see the love, the legitimate love flowing through them and their understanding of Jesus Christ, for example. Uh, Mariano Rivera was one of the greatest, uh, well, is the greatest relief pitcher in history. And, he will not hesitate to say, well, he gives it all up to Jesus Christ and his, you know, and to me, when your mindset is that focused on submission, yes, you can occur, incur power. This is what I learned from my spiritual path. 
um, that what you have faith in. See, it's one thing for me when someone says, I believe that so-and-so is the son of God or, or that this is the only one. None shall pass through except me. You know, I, I, I can respect that if, I, if that's what you believe. When people say, I know, then I have to say, well, how do you know? To me, agnostic is not like um, resisting believing there's a God. It's just not saying knowing when knowing is impossible. To me, agnostic is actually the mo- the closest thing to a real relationship you can have. It's everything you believe it is, but it's nothing you know it is. And when you say you know it is, then you know someone else is doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, and this I think is responsible, depending on what century you're talking about, for most of the most he- heinous, heinous, whatever the word is, uh, heinous. Heinous, you know, acts of one segment of of humans towards another. I mean, most mm-hmm. of the most of the biggest stuff is done over over uh, the pressure to convert or whatever. So, right. in, in a in a modern society, they're pulling all the right levers to get everything in place. And now I find my democracy at at uh, at peril. I've never known mm-hmm. that in my lifetime. So, I have to say that religion stays. You know, if I had a thought about religion, I would be saying they owe a gigantic ninth step to the rest of us. <laughs> God, yeah. do they need do they need to make amends for all the messes and miss you know missed mm-hmm. deadlines for the end of the world and you know you know but but at the same time I've been studying a spiritual path which is not a religion and, and what the difference is is that Anybody that follows that spiritual path may be someone from a religion. It doesn't matter. The religion is the organized place where they, where they uh, worship. The spiritual path may be where they actually find God and then f- I feel it in their church. You know, so uh, for me, I've experienced it many times, but I have something that uh, an addiction that will just wipe it away. You know, whatever it is, I believe. Uh, I also still have that urge to escape. I thought I was really moving past it just by working on my mind. And then I think these last just, okay, finally, uh, you know, what's what's top plate for me is that um, in the last few months, there's been a lot of success. There's been a lot of great stuff and a lot of change. And I think I've been seeking out those isolated nights when I'm alone in a hotel and, oh, what could I do? And uh, I just haven't done it, which I'm very grateful for. But um, I've had trouble uh, staying sober uh, by the definition of that that program. And I don't know what's appropriate in this meeting where you talk about which which program you're part of. I've had trouble staying sober, but I haven't done what it was my intention to not do again yet uh, for the eight years I've been part of this, which is act out with other people. So I'm very grateful for that. I do feel more in danger these days than I have probably since the whole time I've been in the program. And uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Kenny, great stuff, man. You know, uh, you brought up a good point, and I wanted to talk about it for a second. Um, you know, there's a line in the big book that says the grouch and the brainstorm is not a luxury afforded alcoholics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done research on that. I've talked to people about that. So that's basically saying, you know, I can't 
get too upset or I can't get too fired up. You know, like you talked about our democracy is in danger, right? Or, uh, you know, so if I allow myself to get too involved, like my emotions go way high, right? They go way high. And that's why they say it's dangerous because we will drink over it. Like we will relapse over it if we get too passionate one way or the other. So I try and kind of walk on the rice paper, like try and stay level. It's very difficult, very difficult to stay level. Like, how do you deal with that? Because there's so many things going on that could make you angry or, you know, um, anyone angry, right? If they're paying attention, like some people check out, they don't watch the news. Some people, I mean, ignorance is bliss. I, I agree with that. But I feel like we also need to kind of fight and stand up for what's right. How do you balance that for yourself? Well, for one thing, I had to clarify terms. Listening to the news is not doing anything at all. So, but listening, to, but hearing it, you know, I have a, uh, so I did stop listening to the news because my state, and I've been in better states than I am now. For, uh, first of all, the motivation for me has not been anger and it hasn't been, uh, the two, the twin head monsters for me were either anxiety or, or, uh, or depression, right? And very little, oh, all my anger is there, absolutely. So the question is, how do I keep my own head above water? For example, if you're, I don't think it's any different than, okay, I'm addicted to, to sex. The shows I can't watch because it triggers my addiction. There's newscasts I don't want to listen to because it triggers my hopelessness. It feels pretty hopeless. Like, the other side has a plan and like we never do except trying to push back the tide of their plan. But, you know, this to me is using God in the absolute worst sense. The people on that side will never give up because God told them to do it in their own minds. So we might fight for a little while and then go back, oh, what's on TV or, you know, take a take a vacation or whatever. And when people believe that God told you to do this, and you're very religious, then you just never give up. And I believe that, in fa uh, so I don't listen so that I can keep my, uh, today, you know, uh, the program's very much about being in today. So when I listen what might happen on the Ukrainian border, when I listen to, anytime you turn on, and we have a radio. I mean, my wife listens to the radio all day. It's one of the reasons we need practically separate spaces. She just has it on, and I listen to the damn thing. So every time I walk in the house, I might be thinking about something like, uh, you know, my work, I'm doing music or whatever. And I might be thinking about, or even I had just meditated. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about uh, either, you know, Omicron or uh, the death of democracy 24 seven. These are the prime subjects of most shows on NPR now. And, and I get it. I don't think we'll ever combat it, but we'll certainly have a lot of great documentaries about it as, as we lose our choices in life. You know, great. We had some great documentaries, but they didn't make any difference anymore. So I have to make a personal choice um, to just be, first of all, is you don't have to listen or watch too long before you find out any, everything, you know, it's, it's in one 10 minute spot and then it's repeated all day. So, uh, I might hear it and then uh, and then let it go so that I might be a positive force for someone else uh, that day. Right. So that that's my rationale. <clears throat> I have to do certain things to take care of my joy because my joy 
just might be something that helps somebody else. We are drops in the bucket. I have no idea how to affect this whole society, but, or as you've heard in the program so many times, I can't fix the world, but I can fix myself, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I can't heal the world, but I can heal myself. So this whole time I've been concentrating on that and, and it's been working out really well. Um, you know, and that, and that's the rationale. Someone else could have been listening, watching all the shows on cable and having spirited conversations at lunch and dinner and on the phone. And they didn't do anything more than if I watched cartoons all day. So it's time to like separate our, the, the, the definition of knowing about it as being somehow patriotic. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing patriotic about it. doing something about it is ultra patriotic. And I tell people, if you have something going on, that actually affects this, um, I could get very interested. But if you just want to survey it, by the time you're done, I want to kill myself. So <laughs> I don't see the value of that for me getting on with my day. And in that way, I understand the statement that I used to resent. No matter what is being presented at me, it's always something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's not the world, it's me. And I have to do whatever I have to do so that I don't get sunk down into this... 24 7 uh news depression yep Um, Yep. it's my it's my it's my reaction to it you know and some people talk about how they can control everything inside their own hula hoop you know like everything that fits inside this hula hoop i can control everything else it's really powerlessness you know over all that right well i wouldn't want you know if i'm powerless (laughs) to act out that's why my you know uh, in my case my my devices are blocked because in a weak moment, I might go for acting out or even acting out with with somebody. Um, and thank God when I go to my phone, it won't take me where I can do that. So, I mean, you have to know what you can handle, what you can't handle. And I can't handle that. You know, what's happening for me is I'm drifting so far away from program that these meetings are just about it for me. So um, I have to find, if there's one thing I can pray for, it's the willingness to be more involved than I am. Because... This thing that I don't want to happen uh, will happen. I can feel it. Uh, it's the traveling. It's the recent successes. And it's exactly the stuff that I want. But, uh, you know, it stimulates. If you remember when, when, when there was good news, you thought you know, you'd like to have a cherry on top of that. You know, and just yep. make it even a bit better with, yep. your, with the addiction. Um, so... Uh, I would say I feel more, uh, just on a personal note, more more vulnerable to it than I have since I joined the program, which is eight years ago. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing, uh, Kenny, talking about, you know, we were talking about that Bill W. spiritual experience, and then I brought up that Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. Um, they were talking about once you have a spiritual awakening, once you have a spiritual awakening, it's, it's your job to then help others. Right. And it said that that was the common theme that has been going on for 3000 years. Like if I have a spiritual awakening, if I have that, then I need to pass it on to others and share my experience, strength and hope. So Mm -hmm. I I like I like that message, because as you just talked about, there's things I can do in my day that will have a positive impact on someone and make their life better. You know, I can't always necessarily change everything in the world, but I can impact people positively, you know, one on one. Absolutely. Uh, Or one. I mean. I uh, teach and lecture. I can do it 50 on one 
three hundred on one. But if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not genuinely feeling the light, uh, then there's nothing to share. I can't give away what I haven't got, and, and I do get it. And in this, in this way, it hasn't been dependent on maintaining, maintaining uh, essay sobriety. Um, I, I have a lot of resources, and and that's what's been confusing for me. But the fact is, what can really bring me down is uh, this constant drumbeat towards uh, extinction that uh, people on my side of the thing are very good at making documentaries about, but mm-hmm. they're not good about identifying, you know, the real uh, culprit in what's every everybody's going to regret, you know. So yeah. I don't mean that for this to get political, but I can't be carrying the anger or the depression over it and help anybody else in something in, in the ways that I, my job is to help a lot of people. And I can't do it unless I'm, you know, the way I, uh, let me just talk about my own spiritual experience, but it's been slow like yours. I think I've had in times when we were having these really high ritual stuff in the uh, particular spiritual path that I follow, I would walk out and I, I never had quite what Bill had, but a lot of people did. They called it Shaktipat. It's actually, uh, you're overwhelmed by the God energy and it, it becomes the dominant energy. And when it's done, you, you, you'll never forget it. But yes, you do have to go out and help people, but you actually have to keep feeding it. Uh, I'm not aware of a change that was maintained without uh, working on maintaining it, you know, to be able to, to uh, you know, you can be given this great vision but can you hold it? You know, is the rest of your psychic structure able to hold it? And that's what meditation is about. And yoga, anything that's mindful is trying to create a mind that can hold on to a, 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 a concept of light without getting overstimulated and dropping it. It really is, you know, it takes practice, like learning to play the piano. It takes practice to sit there and breathe while you're actually feeling a sparkling energy moving around you. And you love to just, you know, trip out on that. But it's it's great to go the opposite way and just go inside and allow it to happen and just appreciate it and develop a, a witness. In my particular path, they talk about the witness, you know, witnessing your own depression, witnessing your own anxiety or witnessing your own joy. Um, because there's a, a divine presence in me that is not affected by any of them. Mm-hmm. So I want to. For me, it's an ongoing work in progress. I want to be more tuned into it. And evidently, the most blatant uh, example of it that God has ever given us is our own breath. Because if I simply tune into my breath, a lot of the peripherals just kind of disappear. So I try to do that often in a day. And then I feel like I've got some awareness of what I'm connected to. And that's the best I can do in terms of spirituality. I know the problem is never whether, you know, I have a problem with a God that forgives or a God that punishes or a God that, you know, my father used to drill into me. If you want to give him the, give him the, the, the credit, you got to also give him the blame, you know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not quite the way it's supposed to go. I mean, uh, but, you know, in a way, from earthly, just from earthly uh, logic, it makes perfect sense, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, my, my, so we, we know people that's life is nothing but a nightmare every day. It would be very hard for them to say that they're grateful for it. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So, so, so Kenny, let me, uh, I'm going to repeat a little bit the reading that we read earlier because we have a couple uh, new listeners. Welcome. Oh, great. To the new people listening. Um, yeah, this is the 8 a.m. All Addictions meeting. We are recording this uh, for the Recovering CEO podcast, but we read from a book called As Bill Sees It, um, reading number two, which says, in, God hand, in God's hands, let me just read it. Very interesting. It says, when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Okay, that's one part of it. And then it says, my de- my de- this was Bill, Bill W. describing his experience, right, his bottom. He said, my depression deepened, unbearable. And finally, it seemed to me as though I were at the very bottom of the pit. All right, he really hit bottom. For the moment, the last vestige of my proud obstinacy was crushed. All at once, I found myself crying out, if there is a God, let him show himself. I'm ready to do anything, anything, right? And that's the complete powerlessness and really just reaching out for help. I can really relate to this. Like when, when stuff goes bad, I found myself just hitting my knees and saying, you know, reminds me of when Jesus was in the garden the night before he was crucified, right? He just said, you know, my God, please take this from me. I can't handle it. You know, please take it. And just waiting for something to happen. And then Bill W. says, suddenly the room lit up with a great white light. It seemed to me in the mind's eye that I was on a mountain and that a wind, not, not of air, but of spirit was blowing. And then it burst upon me that I was a free man. Slowly, the ecstasy subsided. I lay on the bed, but now for a time, I was in another world, a new world of consciousness. All about me and through me, there was a wonderful feeling of presence. And I thought to myself, so this is the God of my preachers. Um, you know, he felt that form of presence, right? And I really think, and I, I interviewed a guy uh, from Conscious Recovery earlier this week on the podcast, and he talked about it. He said, our journey is a journey back to our true being. It's really a journey inward, you know, to our true self, the, the, the self we were at the very beginning, the perfect self. And in many ways, that is finding God. You know, when we find our true self, our, our perfect being, then we could be at peace. Um, my addiction kept me from all that. My addiction shielded me and hid me from all the, the God that was inside me. Um, so, oh, we lost Kenny. But I don't know if any of uh, the other listeners on here want to share. You can raise your hand to share if you want, if you want to talk about this spiritual experience or anything you've personally experienced in recovery. Um, we are all addictions, so we deal with all addictions here. It doesn't matter. You can share on any topic. Um, well, yeah, so this is the God of the preachers, you know, and I don't know that, you know, and AA talks about it, you know, being rocketed into the fourth dimension, a place we never knew existed, you know, and it's really the difference between living in darkness and stepping out into the light. You know, when I put down my addiction, when I put down the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the gambling, when I put down all those things that I was doing in secret and in darkness and walk into the light, then I can feel the presence of a higher power at that point. You know, it's like Bill said, you know, it's just a new form of consciousness. So, Oh, did you want to speak? Uh, David, would you like to share? David, you need to unmute if you want to share. Um, Just so you know, we are doing first names here. This is being recorded for the Recovering CEO podcast, but go ahead. The floor is yours. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. 
All right, give me just a second here. No problem. I will uh, talk until David gets back. <clears throat> David, you need to unmute when you're ready to speak. Um, but yeah, I do feel like the life I've been given, you know, no, nobody would want to be an alcoholic. Nobody would want to be an addict, right? You would think it's kind of inconvenient. But as far as diseases go and as far as things that could happen to me, it's not the worst. Oh, there we go. Go ahead, David. All right. Okay, can you all hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay. Yeah, good Good morning. My, my name is uh, Dave, and I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, definitely, um, I would, you know, definitely say I was, I, I was blocked by God. Um, you know, just, just, just everything. And I, you know, I pretty much thought that you know, that God gave up on me and that he wasn't there, but really he was there the whole time. And when I did reach that, uh, that, that ultimate bottom, um, I, I was able to see that because I surrendered, you know, I surrendered to everything. Um, I, I started over, I was at the end of my rope. Um, I got a, I got a new sponsor and, uh, Worked, worked with him and he was fully honest with me um, something that 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 he did with me that that I do with others as well is that he shared his story uh, before we even you know started working together on steps and 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 so forth and um, that, that just made me feel comfortable and uh, allowed me to share what was on my mind and um, got me through the steps. Um, when I, when I first got sober, um, I had a sponsor that I wasn't very, um, comfortable with. Um, he was actually my father's sponsor and <laughs> I did not realize that that was, you know, something that shouldn't be done because I'd never done this before. So I was just going along with it. And when it came to step four and step five, I wasn't completely honest because there were things about my father that I didn't want to speak of because I felt that he would go and tell him. So nine months in, I relapsed. And then after I relapsed, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just went, went completely off the deep end. Um, I decided to, you know, run the show in my life and, you know, everything went to ruin. Um, so I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful for that bottom because I, you know, I really feel that we all need to hit some kind of bottom to, to, to move forward. Um, and uh, just, just grateful to be sober today. Thank you for letting me speak. Yeah, thanks, David, and congrats on your uh, six years sobriety. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is a, it's a miracle. You know, it's it's a miracle. Um, 
that myself, you know, that such a, I'm such a drug addict. I'm such an alcoholic. I'm such an addict and it's a miracle that I can get sober. And I think, uh, I'm very grateful. You know, I'm grateful I got sober and now it's my job to stay sober and to help others achieve sobriety. You know, it's one of the reasons I started the recovering CEO podcast. Um, you know, even though I've got 25 years sober from drugs and alcohol, I felt that other addictions were bothering me, plaguing me. And I really just want to be pure. You know, I want to be the person that is my true essence. You know, I want to be a good person. I don't want to have to worry about anything I do. I don't want to have to worry about running into anyone I, I could meet, you know, because I want to act with integrity. I don't want to act in fear. And I don't want to act certainly with my addiction. Um, you know, which is, is constant. It's constant. You know, even at 25 years, I still work on it. I still go to lots of meetings. Um, and the best way to stay sober, I know this, is in service and by helping others. So I really appreciate uh, everyone who came on here today and who listened. And um, yeah, I'm going to end the meeting with the serenity prayer. So uh, you can stay muted. Uh, have a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. I wish everyone a happy and blessed Friday. Go make it a great one. Help someone else and uh, enjoy yourself. It's good to be sober. Thanks, everyone. Take care. You thought that you could have it all. Life could be